1: Welcome back to Telling Nuwana's, 1029 ESPN Radio, hour number two. Outstanding to be with you on a very fine Wednesday afternoon. If you missed anything in the first hour of the show, you check it out on the podcast. The Two Tell Newanas podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts. Rate, review, subscribe, listen, check in on your time at your leisure. That's the beauty of the podcast. It's available thanks to our friends at Blackfoot Communications. You want to call 361-3688, the phone number All guests join us via the Braggish Brothers RV phone line. And you can also listen live anytime you'd like on the website, 1029ESPN.com. You go there, you stream the show, you get in on the uh, Listen Live tab. You can check in on the station 24 hours a day and on this show for 10 hours a week in the afternoons each weekday. The uh, stream brought to us by Opportunity Bank of Montana, your local bank, your opportunity. Uh, It is time now. Uh, for we do this once a month it's our pepsi youth segment it is brought to us by pepsi cola of missoula who proudly supports youth athletics and this is for the little ones or for the parents of little ones it gets your kids outside or doing different athletics we know it's been a sort of a difficult time to get your kids doing different things in the extracurricular world Uh, but we are happy now to go to the reagan's brothers rv phone line and welcome in from the university of montana an associate ad from uh, the marketing and community relations side of things Bryn malloy on the show with us who in this capacity for this portion of our of our chat is also the head of the missoula figure skating club that gets kids out there on the ice doing figure skating hello Bryn. how are you Hey guys, I'm good. Thanks for having me. Well, we're certainly happy to have you here. And you are a multi-hat wearing gal on this particular episode of 2 Tell and One. There's a lot to get to with you. But we wanted to start with the, uh, with the, the uh, Missoula Figure Skating Club. Now, you've been figure skating a long time, but how did you get into figure skating, Brent?
2: Fun fact, I got into figure skating when my younger brother started playing hockey. I did not like that he could do something I couldn't do. Oh, so oh. I started skating, and I got recruited from whatever I was doing with him over to the figure skating world and continued skating down in Billings, Montana, where I grew up um, with hockey players and power skating. But that's what made my figure skating pretty darn good at the time.
0: So now are you still an excellent figure skater? How would you evaluate your own figure skating skills right now?
2: Uh, You know, I grew seven inches uh, after I stopped competing (laughs) and aged many years. So I'm a much better coach than I am a skater now, but I do love being out on the ice. Well,
1: help (laughs) me here. What is the difference between an axle and a Lutz? Because every time they do it, it's just like, man, they're just spinning at blind speed. I can't see anything. I can't tell. And then Scott Hamilton goes, what a triple lutz that was. And I'm like, well, I guess I guess, try to, I got to trust Scott on this because I can't see.
2: You know what? So here you go. Here's your figure skating 101. Okay, good. axle is an edge jump that you take off from a forward takeoff, and it's one and a half rotations. So okay. two and a half for a double axle, three and a half for a triple axle a Lutz you take off on a backwards it's a backwards edge entrance but then you use your toe pick to actually jump
1: okay I am such a dope (laughs) I swear to you as I sat here I thought it was like the hand position I thought it was like right (laughs) hand over left or maybe like on the hips while you spun I don't know I I, that seems pretty obvious now that you say it I was just like I don't know man when they spin it all looks the same how does he know but Okay, it's entrance into the air. That's why, and the axle's the hardest yes, one because it's an extra half.
2: Yes, and the forward takeoff is it's a tough one, but it's the first jump you you learn when you're. Uh, progressing into the doubles you learn the axle before you learn double
1: well it's the last one that coulter ever learned because the first day he <laughs> takes the ice it takes the air and let me tell you something buy stock in whatever hospitals nearby that's what i'd say there
2: <laughs> His first and last time on the ice that's no hey skating is for any age and ability guys
0: well I, I tell you this i don't have the ability but i'm sure there's tons of young people in missoula that do and maybe don't know it so tell us a little bit more about what the fig- missoula figure skating club has to offer
2: Yeah, absolutely. So the figure skating club uh, started up in 1997. Not that you need to know that, but we are, um, if we're not the biggest club in the state of Montana, we're pretty darn close, but I'm certain we're uh, the biggest in the, in the state. And I do have to give credit. You said I'm in charge and I'd like to pretend I'm in charge, but I'm actually only the vice president of the club right now. (laughs) So Aaron Erickson is our president, but we offer uh, for beginner skaters a learn to skate program, which were just uh, our registration for the winter session just opened up. Those classes are run on Saturdays. For more advanced skaters we do have club ice and private lessons. Uh, we have coaches who teach private lessons on public sessions in addition to the club ice sessions but the learn to skate program is really where it's at. We teach. Basic skating skills for any age and ability. Uh, We start, I think we have little kids as small as four out there. And then we have people up in their um, late 60s. I think we have some folks in their late 60s registered right now. And we teach hockey as well. So, So it's a little bit of everything.
1: Do you teach, it's broken up obviously by like ability level, you know, entry beginner skaters and intermediate and stuff like that. But is it also separated by age or how does that work?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. So if we have, say, for example, a basic three class, which is kind of right in the, you're transitioning from the real basic skills into some of the harder things. If we had a group that was a bunch of eight, nine, ten-year-olds and then, you know, some 40, 50-year-olds up there, we would look at dividing that or having an adult version of it. So we do try, if we have have enough skaters in each class, we do try and split it up by uh, ages to keep it. Um, Interesting and for the coaches to be able to manage class best.
1: Bryn Malloy joining us. It's the Pepsi Cola of Missoula uh, Missoula Youth segment. We've got talking about how to get your kids out there. This is for all ages, but especially for some of the little ones. You said kids as young as four. When you talk about, you know, what these classes consist of, what, is it, what does it look like and when you do like an introductory level class? Is it a number of different sessions? How long does it last? And then when you maybe get into the intermediate side of things, maybe you got some kids out there who spent some time on the ice. Certainly you have that in the, uh, the state of Montana and you, it's a little more formalized. What is the structure to those?
2: Yeah, so the Learn to Skate classes we offer, they are eight-week sessions. And like I said, the winter session is on Saturdays. And there are 45 minutes of lesson time on the ice for whichever your group, uh, your group you're in. And to your question about, you know, what, <laughs> what you're learning for the real basic kids, you're learning everything from how to, fa- have, how to fall safely because that's going to happen. I didn't <laughs> know fall, that was a thing. Out.
1: I mean, if somebody yep, had yep. taught me how to fall safely, I would have been in much better shape. <laughs>
2: Maybe you guys need to do a a video segment that you guys come out on the ice and we'll show you guys how to skate.
1: Oh, oh yes. (laughs) See, I am am 100% 100 into this. We need to triple my
0: insurance premium before this happens. (laughs) I guess I can do radio with a broken hand, though, right? You can do
1: radio. I mean, you can't do very much typing, though. Good. It would improve your radio. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
2: But, yeah. So, anyway, we have those classes and there's a progression of skills that you move through. And then as... Um, basic three the level you can move up to basic six and then there's free skates and the learn skate program. So there's a ton of levels there that you can move through. But if you shift over to the more private lesson type uh, setup, then we get people going in what's called the United States figure skating association has different types of tests and a diff- whole different progression of testing there. So there's ice dance tests, there's moves in the field, there's free skate, which is your jumps and spins to music. Uh, just a whole variety. Pair skating, we have some pair skaters here in Missoula. Two of our coaches just returned from Disney on Ice. So there's um, truly a place for everybody and every ability with what we do, which is why I love it so much.
0: Parents are always going to wonder, first and foremost, about safety, but then secondly, probably about equipment when it comes to getting their kids involved in any sort of sport. What sort of equipment is required? Do you guys have equipment available for rent or for people to try out? How does that whole element work?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So the skates are the biggest priority and the Glacier Ice Rink does have skates for rent. Uh, There's also Hockey Wolf in town who I don't believe they rent them out, but they're a really great place, local place to order skates from. So that's, of course, the priority. Some young ones wear helmets, which we encourage if they're brand new on the ice. Um, It's not required, but we do encourage it. We even have some of our higher level skaters who wear um, some head protection. There's fancy figure skating things, you know, headbands that have padding in it now. But those are probably the two things that would be up there. And then, of course, winter gear. It, you're, no matter what time of year it is, you're in an ice rink, so it's cold in there. So having the appropriate clothing, hand coverings, um, you know, to keep our kids warm when, when they're out there so they're actually enjoying it and not, not miserable.
1: So, Bryn, tell people now, though, if they want to, you know, they, they think maybe they want to get their kids signed up or maybe even themselves, maybe you could do a parent child type of deal, that kind of thing. Where do they need to go to find out more online to sign up to see schedules and all that?
2: Yes. So, for Learn to Skate classes through the Figure Skating Club, and like I said, there is a hockey portion there too, go to MissoulaFSC.org. And we have a Learn to Skate tab there where you can go and register. And if folks are interested in registering, if they register before Saturday, October 17th, they can get $10 off by putting the code EARLYBIRD10 in there. So that is a little incentive to get signed up early. And, of course, with COVID, we do have some policies that we're following, and we are limiting numbers more than we would in the past. But So register early if interested.
1: All right, Missoula FSC dot org to go uh, get yourself get your kids registered again an opportunity to get some of the young ones out and active and learning from someone who actually knows what they're doing uh, that would be a nice thing to have brin showing them first how to fall and then how to land a triple axle okay that's the progress there's nothing in between fall triple nope, axle we
2: just go one to the other right yep.
1: day two triple <laughs> axle very good uh this has been our pepsi cola of missoula youth segment we do it once a month around here uh so we're happy to uh to bring that to you again again pepsi cola missoula proudly supporting youth athletics in missoula Bryn, you're gonna stick around with us here right we got a a round table coming up i want to talk to you about the other thing that you do over there at the university and specifically the diversity and inclusion committee looking forward to this uh with you we'll get back to it right after this
3: Blackfoot, connect
1: to more. Welcome back to Tell Newanas 1029 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television across the 406. Great to be with you on a Wednesday afternoon. And as we do around here each and every Wednesday in the 5 o'clock hour, it is time for our ESPN Roundtable presented by Paradise Falls. And good enough to stick with us through all of that break in the first segment and now in the second segment is Bryn Malloy. Bryn is, uh, well, she is the vice president of the Missoula Figure Skating Club. And now, as she joins us, has altered her ego to become the associate AD of the emphasis in marketing and community relations at the University of Montana. Hi, Bryn. Are things still okay for you? Is everything good? (laughs)
2: Things are good. Not much has changed here. <laughs> I, I
1: gotta say, you uh, hold the distinction of being the first guest in the history of the show to go back to back like over the phone uh, segments. So f- congratulations, you've broken new ground here. We appreciate it very much.
2: Do I get a award
1: for that? You it's there. You got something coming in the mail. It's going to be a gift card. Perfect. We don't know where to yet. No, well, if, I know
0: some places you no. might like. You
1: know, we have yeah. people
0: in the station that, that know Brent a little bit, so we, this might be okay.
1: We'll get you. We'll get you something. We'll get you something signed. Coulter will put a thumbprint on it or something like that. Uh, oh, I can't wait! I can't wait. For, here, here's what I want to do. I want to talk a, a little bit about the new committee that you are chairing and and some of that stuff too. But just to give us a little idea, like within the athletic department, obviously you have Kent Haslam, who's the athletic director there, but underneath him, there's a whole number of associate ADs who all have different responsibilities, different things that they are into internally, externally, uh, you know, whatever it might be. And for you, uh, it is, it is with marketing and community relations. So within the scope of that, what is it that your role is as as an athletic director and associate athletic director at UM?
2: That is the million dollar question. Certainly it's different right now than it would be in a normal fall, but yeah, Uh, The marketing and community relations, our team oversees, I'm just going to give you the 30,000 foot view here, all of our social media, of course. So the main pages and then the sports specific pages on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, we've now dived into the world of TikTok, which for the record, I am too old to understand TikTok, but my young team gets it and is doing a great job. Uh, have and one then, of them send me you know, you
1: an guys, email, will you, to explain what the heck is sick TikTok? <laughs> you
2: <laughs> you know? know, I'm not sure if it'll help you because they've tried explaining it to me, and I just, I'm like, I, that's funny. Why is that funny?
1: <laughs> you already have the impression that I wouldn't get it, and that's that's the nicest <laughs> thing anybody's ever said to me, actually. I appreciate that very much. So, yes, but all the social media, sure.
2: Yep, social media, um, on game days, when we have games, um, I joke, but it's somewhat serious that the whoever the marketing person is in charge for that of that sport uh, is, you know, the producer, the person in charge of everything that was happening on the field. So, for example, football, we've got Grizz vision, right? You've got music, you've got your cheer and dance team down there, you've got Monty, um, all all of those things, all of the corporate partners, everybody who pays very good money to partner with us and advertise in the stadium. We are uh, basically producing the show leading up to the game. We map out um, what it looks like literally down to the second in time that we have, whether it's pregame or timeouts. But then once we're live in the game, it's uh, pushing the buttons, calling people to push stuff to the board, uh, calling for an extra replay, or in some cases telling them not to show that replay again because we can get flagged for it, that, that type of fun stuff on game day. Uh, and then your standard marketing, the... Print, um, radio, TV, advertising, which that has certainly changed over the years. Uh, and then we don't oversee the box office, but we work closely with the box office in selling tickets and then our branding. So it's that griz mark that everybody knows and loves, we're managing that, um, making sure we keep the integrity of it. And then sports posters, you know, just a little bit of everything. That's that's the broad view of what we do.
1: Yeah, so not much.
2: All right, go ahead, Colton. <laughs> not, not much. Uh, the, uh, <laughs>
1: but I think, I think that um,
0: so many people in Montana, around western Montana and Missoula, We're missing Grizz sports so much. It's such a huge part of our community. Such a huge community gathering where we get to see all these people. But a lot of us that work in sports, it is—it's a hectic Saturday a lot of times and lead up to it as well. But for you personally, I mean, this must be—it's almost like you don't get to have the rush that you enjoy so much. So, what have you and your team been doing to kind of pass the time? Because it seems as if without football games to produce, that's—it's taken away a huge part of what makes your job so fun.
2: Yeah, it certainly is taking some getting used to, but, and not something I think any of us want to get used to. Let me just put that out there. But we, you know, glass half full, it's given us an opportunity to evaluate some things and really look um, at how we're operating, what we want to accomplish moving forward, and we have the time right now to put the infrastructure in place to do what we want to do, whereas we're, we're staffed really um, light, our athletic department as a whole, We do a phenomenal job at operating at the level we do, uh, considering the numbers of our staff. We've just got really great people. But what that means is when we're in the thick of things, when we have football, soccer, volleyball, the overlap season, when basketballs are going, you're kind of going event to event. You're not necessarily getting the chance to put new things into place. So we've been working really hard right now to make sure that we're ready to go um, when we are back to hosting games with fans there. And I think our hopefully our fans will like what
0: we do. Broadly, COVID aside, but, but just over uh, your time uh, working in marketing at the University of Montana, the world of media changes so fast these days. I mean, like you say, I've just got Ryan to figure out how to use Twitter. And now all of a sudden... There's TikTok and Instagram and all these crazy things, but just the infiltration of social media, the ability to market yourself on so many different platforms, what's changed the most? What sort of benefits have you seen? What sort of challenges have you seen uh, in your six or seven years doing the job that you have at the University of Montana?
2: Oh, that's a good question. Um, What's changed the most would probably be the demand for video content and graphics just as a whole, uh, whether it's... marketing ourselves or coaches wanting it for recruiting that has, I mean, but you understand why you look at it, you see a beautiful video that Austin Valley on our team puts together. You understand why the coaches want that for recruiting, right? You understand why the fans are engaging with that. Uh, But that's, I mean, we've gone from a little bit of video content and, you know, some graphics here and there to It consumes a lot of our time and we do all of that in-house. So it's probably the biggest thing. Um, Challenge. It's probably the same thing, honestly, keeping up with what our fans want and need and keeping them engaged and also meeting the expectations of our coaches and what they need for um, recruiting because they're very different things. Some some there's overlap in what coaches want and need for recruiting and what the recruits will think is cool with what our fans think is cool, but there's also very different goals. So keeping up with that and keeping everybody happy is definitely a challenge, but I think think we're doing all right with
1: it. Bryn Malloy Bryn joining us. She is the Associate Athletic Director at the University of, Mar- uh, of Montana in Marketing and Community Relations, joining us on the uh, ESPN Roundtable. And Bryn, I'm interested in this because, uh, you know, as we've gone through this last six months or so, there's been huge, you know, kind of at least movement and strides made it seems like in in issues of racism and social injustice and particularly in the sports world and at the college level uh, a a ton of people whether it's coaches athletic directors departments coming out making statements you know standing against racism against racial and social injustice excuse me and the University of Montana certainly did that and Kent Haslam was on the forefront of that but you also thought you know okay that's great that we have that but that's not enough like what are we actually Going to do what? What positive steps are we going to take to try and you know make this a reality in our world at the University of Montana and so on? And so, uh, you came up with, or the, the, the department came up with, the Diversity and Inclusion Committee of which you are the chair. So, can you tell us more about that and kind of how it came to be and what it's all about?
2: Yeah, exactly. So you nailed it. Um, we put that statement out back in I think it was June when we finally put a statement out, uh, which the statement was great and we meant it, but. I did. I asked that exact question of Kent and some coworkers. So we put this statement out. What are we? What are we going to do to make sure that our words aren't empty? And then with that, I, you know, I did some my, some of my own self reflection and talking with friends and family. And then I put myself out there and made a call to somebody at the University of Arizona that I've admired what he's done in the athletics world for a long time but when uh, all the race issues came up he was very vocal and his job is um athletics or yeah diversity and inclusion at the University of Arizona in their athletic department and he was so kind to sit down and talk through how they got to where they are that they actually have a position in their department and give me and another coworker Nick Hallsey was on the call with me some ideas and feedback for things we could do uh he told us you know it's not going to be easy but the, the fact that you made this phone call is step one. So uh, we, at that point, one of the things he had suggested that they do at Arizona is they have a committee. So we evaluated, and I put together the proposal for Kent and our other chairs of departments, and said, "Hey, what are our thoughts on moving forward on this?" And I talked to Coach Dakir, who was also—he's just—I mean, Coach Dakir is awesome. He had some really good feedback on things, and his his biggest suggestion to me if we were going to move forward as a department on this was to make it a peer nominated committee, not have it be one or two people picking folks to serve on the committee. So with that being said, we put out nominations at the beginning of August to the whole department and came together and we have 10 student athletes, five staff members and five coaches on the committee in addition to Kent and myself. So we just had our third meeting today and it's really, um, I'm excited about the work we're going to do.
0: One thing we've talked with Travis DeCure extensively and other members of, of uh, the athletic department at Montana, Ken them as well, is just the fact that in a community like Missoula, rural community in western Montana, uh, oftentimes the most diverse sectors of that community are within the athletic department. So do you feel like sports can be an avenue, sports can be a vehicle, a vessel uh, to, to help uh, show the way that, interracial harmony and and getting along and working towards a common good from a teamwork perspective, do you think it can be an example? Because it seems to me like Travis DeCure's team is one of the great examples of that, how uh, people from a whole bunch of different backgrounds can come together and have great success.
2: Yes. Oh, I absolutely do. And I think you're seeing that across the country in professional sports, too. Um, Sports are important, you know, not just for entertainment. Sports are, they teach valuable lessons and they provide opportunities for people to play with people and be teammates with people get to know people who aren't just like themselves so absolutely uh
1: i want i want to hear a little bit more about the committee you talked about is 10 student athletes five coaches five members of the department along with with uh, kent haslam and yourself but you had your third meeting today and i imagine part of what you're doing is actually trying to think about okay well what are we doing but what What are, you have the goals of of things like diversity and inclusion, but they're sort of ambiguous and sort of hard to quantify. What are the things that you'd actually like on the ground or actually to instantiate at the University of Montana to bring about some uh, change or movement in the direction that you want to go?
2: Yes, so I'll start by reading you the mission statement and our vision statement that we just settled on today. The mission is the Athletics, Diversity, and Inclusion Committee will combat racial injustice, systematic racism, and all forms of inequality within the athletic department and our broader community. Our work will foster open and honest dialogue through education, activism, self and departmental disruption, and listening with empathy and respect. And then the vision is, you know, so where we want to end up, Athletics Diversity and Inclusion Committee will increase cultural competency by educating ourselves, our peers, and our community. So still very broad there, but a few of our immediate action items one that we're pushing big, big time on right now is voter registration. We're going for 100% registration of eligible voters in our department. We're not getting into the business of telling people who to vote for, but you know, we're, not, we're not going there, but getting our student athletes and coaches registered to vote. And then um, there's a pledge, there's a competition. True, you know We don't have sports this fall, but we're still gonna compete. There's a competition with the big sky to see how which schools can get the most people to pledge to actually follow through and vote. So that's that's a big push because your voice matters and um, so many of our student athletes um, over the years and this year just don't know, you know, maybe they've never um, been educated on how to, how to even register to vote let alone find out information about candidates and make informed decisions and then follow through with voting itself. So that's a big push that our student athletes are really taking the lead on our student athlete advisory committee has teamed up with us on that. Um, Another thing, We are working on uh, creating a diversity handbook on campus that has resources. So when we have coaches out recruiting someone from, you know, California that might not be familiar with Missoula, it's got a list of resources on campus and in the community. So they know when they come up here that they, you know, what their what some resources are, if they have issues or if they want some, you know, people with like backgrounds on them. And there's, you know, a lot of bigger things going on, but the thing we need to do first and foremost beyond this voter registration, because that's kind of <laughs> time is of the essence there, but our student athletes, especially those of color on this committee have talked about sharing experiences. We don't necessarily all have shared experiences, but we need to be open to listening and sharing experiences and learning from each other that way. So I think we're going to launch an informal conversation series within our department and start by learning from each other that way and then implementing action after that
0: earlier this year a very controversial situation which you don't have to dive in and analyze but with the the derby football coach and his controversial posting on social media that then led to his uh, eventual uh, resignation but so much of the fire when he was retained initially came from several student athletes at the university of montana namely a couple pretty big-time names on the Grizzly football team, led by Sammy a. Kim, But that rise to action, that the, the fact that those guys let their voices be heard, and ultimately that resulted in change, is that something that, that's an example of what you want to do with this committee, or is that something that is an example of, of a shared experience that you hope that people can look to in terms of uh, seeing what can be accomplished when it comes to making change?
2: Yes, absolutely. And I'm so proud of those um, young men and women who did speak up about that. That's a scary thing to do when there's a real chance of getting negative pushback from people. So kudos to them for speaking their minds. Um, But yeah, a big, and to see change come from it. I don't know. um, It's just really encouraging that they saw something come from using their voices. So part of what I hope this committee can do is really, truly empower not just people on the committee, but everybody in our department um, to normalize those hard conversations, right? I said it was probably a big deal for them to put that out there on Twitter in this public space. But let's normalize these hard conversations, and um, I think that in itself is going to lead to change. But um, giving our student-athletes, you know, we're a family. We're providing them a home while they're here but giving them a a place, a committee that they know people have their backs and are going to support them in using their voices.
1: Bryn Molloy joining us. an associate athletic director at the University of Montana in marketing and community relations. She's also the chair of the diversity and inclusion committee, which has just been formed in recent weeks at the University of Montana. And Brent, I'm interested. You talked about uh, starting kind of internally, you know, at the with 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 the athletic department and your world there in terms of you know having open and honest conversations and and making sure that you know the, the right things are being done in terms of racial equality and and fighting social injustice and things like that have you had any I don't, I don't know about blowback i mean this seems like such an obviously good thing to have and to do but have there been people who have come and you know said well, well why are we doing this or do we need this or is this actually going to accomplish anything and what have those conversations like that been like if there have been those at all in terms of not necessarily you know backlash of something like this because that seems to me to be sort of crazy but just like people pushing back a little bit on like, well, how is this actually going to be beneficial? Is it actually going to get anything done? Do you have that kind of stuff that's gone on over the last couple of months?
2: You know, surprisingly, no. Um, We haven't had much. And I would imagine, I I mean, let's just be real. I'm sure there's some people that are thinking that. But the overwhelming energy around this is that this is good. I think when we first put the statement out, there was some concern by student-athletes and even some of our coaches too, like, okay, that's great that we put a statement out. We're just like everybody else. Uh, so I do think it was huge for them to see us form this committee as, as a next step. It's not, you know, we're not going not gonna to make change overnight. Um, it's hopefully continue, whatever it's, you know, this committee li- lives long past me and my career. And it's something that they're able to address whatever issues are relevant at the time. But no, um... I think, I don't know if you've talked to Coach Secure, he has, and he could say this better than me, but he and I talked, he's got his thirds ideas, you know? So you've got your, generally speaking, you've got people who are anti-racist, you've got a third of people who are kind of just in the middle, they don't say much, and a third of people who are, whether they acknowledge it, recognize it or not, probably racist. If we can get the people in that middle two-thirds group to start speaking up and actually working towards being anti-racist, then the racist folks are in the, you know, they're in the minority all of a sudden. And so they're probably going to keep a little bit more quiet. Um, And I would like to think that that's, you know, we haven't heard much of it because people are seeing that this is the right thing to do. Um, We need to be having these conversations. They're not easy conversations, but we also can't hide under a rock
1: well uh sometimes it's hard to know the right thing to do but if the end result is shutting up and shutting down racists and racism you can guess that's a pretty good North Star that you're probably on your on the on the right path if that's going to be part of the result of what it is uh, that you do one other thing I wanted to ask you about because I think this is uh, sort of unique in a state like Montana University of Montana the athletic department, and the student athletes, particularly within that department, probably comprise the most ethnically diverse group of people that are in, in a group that we're going to find in the city of Missoula, in Western Montana, and in the state of Montana in a lot of ways, because we are, you know, obviously an overwhelmingly Anglo Saxon group of people in the state of Montana and Western Montana and so on. Do you find there's an added sort of a uh, 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 level of. Uh, of need or of of uh, responsibility for this for 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 student athletes and for the athletic department as a whole to be able to address this stuff in a place that doesn't really have a lot of diversity outside of those walls. When you would just kind of walk around and look at the the people that are living here,
2: I do, I do, and you know we're yes we're starting internally, but by the nature of what we do and the audience that we have, um, I think our student athletes in particular have a real platform to make a change, you know? And a lot of that is just education and our um, vision, right? It says increase cultural competency by educating ourselves, our peers, and our community. So um, I think we, I do think it's um, an obligation maybe isn't the right word here, but I think it's, you know, we're asking these kids to come from around the country, around the world. Honestly, we have foreign student athletes as well. And we're telling them we're going to come here. We're going to provide a home, a safe place for you. And yes, Missoula compared to other places is fantastic, but there still are issues. We still do, our student athletes do face racism in this town. And I don't want to admit that or think it because I love this town so much, but it's happening. So we, I do think that we owe it to our student athletes that we're asking to come here and play for us and perform for us, get their educations here. Uh, You know, yes, they're benefiting from it too, but I think we need, we need to work to make sure that this does feel like home to them.
1: Well, phenomenal stuff, Bryn. That's uh, that's absolutely fantastic. We appreciate you taking, uh, what, about six hours out of your day to join us here on the show uh, and, and do all this. We really appreciate it. But, uh, again, the, the Diversity and Inclusion Committee uh, is great. It's brand new, and I'm really excited about the things that it can accomplish and do. And, uh, and uh, kudos to you and the entire group over there for getting that thing gr- going. Wish you the best, and we hope to check in again down the line and keep checking in on on how it's going and what things are being done by you.
2: Well, thanks for having me, and we're, we'll see where we go with this.
1: Absolutely, there you go, boys and girls. Bryn Malloy, associate. Athletic Director at the University of Montana in Marketing and Community Relations and uh, she is the subject the guest today on our ESPN Roundtable presented by Paradise Falls enjoyed that very much I think that's you know really important and if here's the thing I I find Missoula in particular and really Montana in general to be sort of one of the more honest places that you can go to when it comes to um, people don't don't care. Or we like to think at least people don't care where you're from, what you look like, what ethnicity you are. If you are a good person, an honest person, a hardworking person, those are the thing, the values of the people are generally here. What matter, you know, and that's, that's how you make your, Hey, that's how you make an impression. That's how you get along, uh, you know, together as a group. And I think generally speaking, that's true. It's also worth noting that if things are good, that's not the time to just be complacent. You know what I mean, and by the way, it ain't all good. We, you know, I, I, you're 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 lying to yourself if you think that, well, you know, racism, racist people, racist acts, words, and things like that aren't taking place in this community, in this part of the state, and especially with with students who are coming from different ethnicities than what we have here broadly, for the most part. So that has to be expunged first and foremost, but also just saying, well, hey, it's pretty good compared to anywhere else or a lot of other places also isn't good enough. I, to me, I think you got to go and, and take active steps to continue to build and grow the type of place and the type of, of, of culture and society that you want to have, and that is uh, integral to it, the, the equality and not just the equality, the care for every and all.
0: I've thought about this, so much in my life, but particularly so much over the last seven or eight months. And I do think that there's a distinct element. There's several different distinct elements about the state of Montana that I think by and large make it inherently much less racist than a lot of places in the United States of America. Unfortunately, there's a lot of places in the United States of America where racism runs quite rampant, where true ignorance and prejudice more than even racism, because it's a complete and utter lack of understanding of other cultures. Multiculturalism is entrenched on the opposite side of the spectrum, and that in itself, I think, is, is um, sad to say the least. But I think because Montana itself was founded largely by marginalized people, outlaws, immigrants, tough people who could endure the winter, who wanted to working in industry, cutting down trees, mining, almost every single, single thing in Montana. The origin points of all the towns were based on the, the founding of, of blue collar attitude, working in the industries, living off the land. In 1889, you had to be pretty dang tough to endure a winter in Montana. You still got to be pretty dang tough to endure a winter in Montana. So I think there, there's a sev- several elements to that. I also think that the fact that Butte used to be the epicenter of the Northwest United States, quite frankly, at the turn of the 20th century, one of the biggest metropolitan areas in the West and one of the most diverse towns in the United States of America with, I mean, there was little mini boroughs and there's the Irish part of town, the Polish part of town, but there was also the Chinese part of town. There was also the African-American part of town. You had all sorts of different elements to that. I think that has been matriculated and I think that's matriculated into college athletics. You saw some... Almost 70 years ago, when Montana State played in the 1956 Aluminum Bowl and eventually tied to win their first national championship, that team had three black guys on it. There's uh, Sonny Hollins told me the story several times, and it sends chills down my spine Is telling it now. But when they went across the country to Arkansas to play in that bowl game, the hotel they had originally scheduled to stay in. They said no. You can't. St- you, the The African American guys they can't stay here. So they walked out. They said we'll find a hotel where we could stay as a team, and that's that was that was in 1956. So mm-hmm. this is f- almost a decade and a half before the civil rights movement really hit its peak. So Montana State that element, but then all the roots from Butte when you talk about Jim Sweeney and Sonny Holland and Sonny Lubick, those all had such an influence on the rest of the state. I also think we have such a tremendous reverence for athletes in this state and so many of the minorities that have come to make their homes in Montana first made their name, for better or worse, playing for the Bobcats or the Grizzlies or you know, one of the Frontier Conference schools. And so I think that that, by and large, has been a a good thing, even if it's a little bit backwards to accept someone because of their athletic merits before their their heart and soul, it's still better than denying someone because of the color of their skin. All of that's to say, though, I think that the number one thing that we need to look at as Montanans, I think, I think that the only place I would say there's entrenched and gross, disgusting racism in Montana is towards the native people of this state. And that's where I would like to see progress made. Because I do think that a lot of the black guys or and young ladies that participate in athletics at the schools, they do experience a little bit of a culture shock and a little bit of, uh, I do think that the racism still exists in Missoula and Bozeman and things like that. But I think that the racism that exists toward folks that either live on the reservations or come off of the reservations to live in our communities um, in Montana, that's the part that drives me crazy. That's the part where we need to strive for equality because Native American culture particularly – in Montana is among the richest and should be among the most revered portions of culture in not just our state, but in our country. It's an amazing way of living. And I hope that's the place we can make progress the most. It doesn't have to be some guy who scores a touchdown at Washington Grizzly Stadium for you to want to accept him. Accept these people for their great sense of family, their great sense of the, the world they live in, the ability to understand the spirit of the universe, and all the things that makes Native cultures great. That's the place I hope we cross the bridge next.
1: Love it. You know what I think should happen? I think you should get your, uh, your Asian friend together, your Native friends together your black friends together, your white friends together, your Mexican-Hispanic friends together, and everybody goes, drinks a couple beers and bets on some games down at Paradise Falls. That's what I think is going to bring everybody together. You get over there to Paradise Falls, you're going to have a great time, and now you've really come together in a communal and happy atmosphere and place, which is almost certainly open because they're open all the dang time. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, morning, noon, and night, Regular happy hour, late happy hour. And as I mentioned, you can now sports bet in Montana, but only in certain places. One of those places is Paradise Falls. One of the great places to go breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Great community gathering
0: place. place. Place to have breakfast and a cup of coffee, or lunch, start watching some games, or dinner, or a late happy hour. Whatever you're in the mood for, Paradise Falls, that's your go to spot in Missoula. They have 30 big screen TVs, 18 draft beers an early and a late happy hour, six days a week. you we get killer deals in the other happy hour, half-price cocktails, $3 beers, half-price appetizers. And, like you said, guess you can place your bets on the Montana Sports app as well and the Montana Sports betting machines. Head on down to Paradise Falls, 3621 Brook Street in Missoula, Paradise Falls, Missoula's coolest hotspot.
2: Blackfoot.
1: Connect to more. Hey, it's 2TEL Nuwana's 102.9 ESPN Radio. SWX Montana Television. Outstanding to be with you. If you missed anything in the show, check it out on the podcast. Great conversation with Bryn Malloy. We really appreciate her being with us. Uh, Associate Athletic Director over at the University of Montana for uh, both our youth sports segment and our roundtable. Uh, great conversation. So go listen to that on the podcast. The po- podcast available wherever you get your podcast. Anytime you like it. It's there thanks to Blackfoot Communications. Hey, we live in a great state so we can enjoy it. And if you're a business owner, you know how hard you work, sometimes at the expense of your own free time, and that is where Black Bookkeeping and Consulting Services comes in. Black Bookkeeping and Consulting Services is a virtual bookkeeper that helps small businesses organize, maintain, and grow their business, which helps keep your business running smoothly. also gives you more time to do what you love. Black Bookkeeping and Consulting Services offers monthly bookkeeping and will even clean up previous month's books Visit online at blackbookkeepingllc.com, blackbookkeepingllc.com, and schedule a free consultation today. Coulter, Major League Baseball postseason. We got the Padres versus the Dodgers coming up for the people at the uh, top of the next hour, actually 645. We'll do the pregame on that, and then first pitch just after 7 o'clock here, Mountain Standard Time. But the Oakland Athletics live to fight another day. They were down 7 to 4. They're down 0-2 in a 5-game series. They're losing 7 to 4 in the 7th inning. Then they get themselves a three-run home run to tie the game up. Take a Two more runs in the eighth inning to get a 9-7 lead and hold on to that, beating Houston 9-7. So it is now a, a 2-1 series lead for the Houston Astros. The Astros suffer their first defeat of the postseason. They were 2-0 in their opening round uh, and uh, and now uh, have lost their first game. They're still up 2-1, though, in that series. Atlanta won earlier today over Miami. They are up 2-0 in their series against the Marlins. Right now, top of the third inning, the Tampa Bay Rays and New York Yankees, their series is split at a game apiece. The Rays are up one nothing here, uh, or again, top of the third inning in this baseball game. One on, one out in the third for the Rays, so they're already up one. Got another uh, runner on base right now, and then again tonight, game two, Dodgers-Padres. Clevenger went one inning and two pitches before he was pulled, obviously not all the way back talking about health-wise for Clevenger, for San Diego. Padres will look to get a little more length out of their starter today and probably need this one, the Padres, because the Dodgers are the deepest team in baseball. Many say the best team in baseball. That uh, series is one nothing in favor of the Dodgers. We'll have it for you on ESPN Radio. Go Pods. Go Pods. Totally agree. I think they're the most exciting team to watch right now. In fact, I don't think it's close. Have a wonderful rest of your Wednesday evening. See you tomorrow. It's 2 New It's ESPN Radio.